yeah, you get to like you get to see it from afar, and so there's that there's that guilty conscience, right? Of like, I can't do but so much from my kitchen table in Ottawa, Ontario. Um, would I love to be in New York City and, and protesting? And I was having this conversation with my wife. Like, if I was there, like, the craziness that I would be going through or, or trying to go into, um, not necessarily be a hero, but to, to have a voice and extend the voice, um, you kind of have to find your space from here. I have to find my space from here and, and, and try and get the same uh, point across from afar. It's, yeah. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, and then living in Canada with people who have no real concept of what's happening down there. Um, like they see it in the news, but like uh, you, you learn Canadian history, right? They don't really learn about civil rights and things like that. Um, so it is, it is fairly surprising um, for them to, to see just how much is going on and how crazy it actually is and, and what the point of it all is, right? Um, again, everyone has their own, every country has their own issues. And here in Canada, it's more with Native Americans and, and taking land and, and things like that. But um, when you look at it from the outside looking in, it's a different perspective. Definitely. Now, here's a, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about this right now because uh, you're, you're a New Yorker, like you said. Uh, New Yorker that moved over to Ottawa um, yeah. a couple of years ago. And you said that the, that the fact that you're living in Canada didn't have to do with the fact that you were, uh, that Trump uh, got elected, right? Because a lot of people have been saying, oh, I'm going to Canada because Trump got elected. That's not you. You just happen to uh, to go from Seton Hall University to Pace University, and then you just met a, met your wife, and you guys moved up there. Um, and here's a post that uh, not a post, but there was an article written on on NPR, um, and somebody from Canada wrote this uh, uh, this this reply to a Ohio representative. So this Ohio representative is called Nino Vitali. He's a Republican. Uh, he basically said, "Hey, no." you should not get tested for the COVID-19. Because he's following yeah. what the, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but he's following what Trump has said, like, you know, the more testing we get, the worse off we look, which is which is bizarre to, get, to begin with. <laughs> but, well, but you know what, he's right, he's not wrong. And that, and that like, <laughs> it actually makes actual sense, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, he's, he's basically calling, hey, let's not get tested anymore, right? So somebody from Canada said, uh, I don't know who this person is, but she said, thankfully, I live in Canada. Have a good, have a good time dying. It appears you are all determined that it, that is your freedom to do so. Glad our border is closed. Yeah. So we went for a drive. <laughs> we went for a drive last week. Yeah. Um, what was it? Friday, I think. We just took the girls out and we drove by Parliament Hill. And um Canada so it was Canada Day weekend um and so we drove by Parliament Hill people out the wazoo right and just protesting and protesting Trudeau for Matt having to wear masks having to, having to worry about the vaccine in the first place we shouldn't have to use it so like that thought process isn't isn't specific to the U.S. it's worldwide right and I of think course. like the the thought that it's one of those things where I will only help my neighbor until it affects me. When it affects me, then I could care less about anyone else, right? And so, yeah, I want to be healthy. I want, like, but like 
for you, I could care less. So no, I'm not going to wear a mask because everyone says I'm healthy. I'm fine. You, on the other hand, good luck. And it's one of those <laughs> things where like, it's, it's interesting looking at people's thought process and their thought patterns and how they justify themselves being okay as opposed to anyone else. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird, like even when, with everything going on with social injustices, it's one of those things where I think COVID was, the, the byproduct of COVID was the blessing of people being able to see something and spend more time digesting it. And not necessarily seeing it, going, oh, that's tragic, and then going and watching a basketball game and forgetting all about it. They had to sit there and watch a 12-minute video of a man dying because they had literally nothing else to do. Like, they had a Zoom call they didn't want to be on. They had, like, work that they didn't necessarily want to do. Their kids are yelling. They just needed some time in the bathroom by themselves. So they watched a 12-minute video, which otherwise, any other time this has happened in the last 50 years, they only, especially within social media times, they only had to look at the first 30 seconds of it, and then they got to move on with their day. They didn't really have to then watch all the news about it. They could watch Friends or any other channel that was on. And that's not black or white. That's everyone, no matter the race, right? We didn't necessarily have to sit there and digest it. Um, The same with COVID. I think that you have a lot of people who have nothing else to do but give their opinion. And you have a lot of people who have nothing else to do but look at it, right? And so people who otherwise their thought process would have been kind of deemed unnecessary to look at people are giving them a time of day um which again it's it's a right as a human being you have the right to speak up and say things um but i think when you get into the 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 level of politics and you have the president and senators and governors giving so many mixed messages it's it's a it's like a death trap right because you don't know which way to go you're supposed to trust the president but like he has diarrhea of the mouth sometimes right um (laughs) and then get into fights with people over things that have nothing to do with the issue at hand yeah Uh, so it's kind of hard to especially in a time where you get the information that you want you don't i don't have to look at a republican site if i don't want to and facebook and instagram will help shield me from seeing things i don't want to see um and that works on both sides, Democrat, Republican, Independent, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're being fed the information that you want to see, unless it's for a joke. That's the only other time you're looking at the other side of something is when you want to make fun of it, um, which is dangerous. Um, but in a time where people are dying, I, like, I, I don't think you have to be the smartest person in the world to see that, yes, it's, it's less than 1%. And, and it, considering three or seven and a half billion people in the world, if two million of them die, like, but like, if it ha- if you happen to be next door to someone who has it, you really going to not wear a mask, hmm. right? Hmm. Are you really yeah. going to stake your your health on your pride? I wouldn't. Like, I'm I'm prideful to a point, right? Because um, <laughs> if I'm dead, I can't be prideful, right? And so it's one of those. It's, it's an interesting thing of how how far um, people are willing to take their ego. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things there that got me uh, interesting interested a little bit. So obviously we're talking about a little bit of the uh, you know the politics over here in the U.S., but in Canada, from the American side, right? When we're looking at at uh, Trudeau standing and and having a conversation in, in 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 the media, from your perspective, how different has it been for you to kind of see uh, the uh, Canadian government 
kind of just pre-COVID, during COVID, and what you're seeing right now compared to pre-Trump and now what we're going through in, in, with this pandemic through Trump here. How, what are the the, uh, the differences that have you seen in, in, in governments? I think from the government perspective, you have more information being given in a very like civil way. Like it's just- In Canada. Yeah, it's conservative. So it's a very, it's a conservative nation. Like it, no matter whether it's liberal or not, it's compared to the States it's it's much more dialed down and so it's there's there's 11 11 o'clock uh, briefing every day where trudeau stands up there and he says the do's and don'ts and what's going on what they're trying to fix what they're focusing on you then have it at the the um at the province level which would be the state level where you have the the, the governors um um, giving their two pieces then you have at a more localized level where the mayors are, are giving their two pieces and so and it's consistent it's not ah. yeah, there are certain <laughs> pieces, right there are certain pieces that differ from like obviously living in ottawa or even like living in a toronto versus living in a like a none of it which population whatever and it's minus 15 degrees in summer right and so you the the information changes to fit the area that it's being given to but there's still consistency in the message it's still take care of yourselves take care of your neighbors like now with that said at the personal at the person level people are digesting that information as they would please um but there's no Yes, you have some crackpots out there that are giving some crazy thing, but for the most part, liberal versus conservative, the information is somewhat the same. The plans on how to fix it, yes, may change, right? But like the facts are the facts. They're not trying to change the facts. Um, and I think from that perspective, you have it's safer because we all have the ability to digest the same information. Now, how we digest it is is up to us. It's it's our preference, right? but we have the ability to see all the pieces and just choose what we would rather ignore as opposed to what you see watching CNN and Fox and then watching his addresses is like the same piece of information is given 14 different ways. And so no matter how you digest it, you're gonna get a different uh, equation out of it because you're not getting the same sentence over and over again. You're getting certain words that are the same, but there's a negative spin, there's a positive spin, there's a neutral spin. There's too much <laughs> spinach going on yeah. um, and not enough just traditional news in terms of here are the facts. That's my job is just to give you a fact and then you digest it as you would please. I don't think we're, I don't think in the States there's enough emphasis being put on um, using your educated mind to come up with a solution of some sort. Again, not everyone has to be the same in how they attack something or attack a problem, but we all have to have the same tools, right? <laughs> if we don't have the same tools and like, it doesn't matter. Like we're all screwed no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like from that perspective, just seeing, seeing both sides of it and, and reading the news and, and watching the news and seeing how the same piece of information is being changed from country to country. It's interesting. It's interesting to watch. Um, so especially as an American who's trying to figure out like whether I stay, whether I go, like what? It, it, it's a it's a it's a tough a tough equation to solve. So we before we actually start recording, you mentioned that you were you you've considered coming back down down south uh, to the U.S. Uh, 
has this has this uh, changed your, your perspective at all? Well, it definitely changes the perspective. It definitely changes the time frame. I think where we where I was gung ho because we I, we said five years we'd be here and then we did success. And I think hitting the five year mark, um, it'll be it'll be tough to decide because there's just so many anomalies, right? And so, or variables. And, and so between my wife's family, even my mom and my sisters and stuff in the States, there's just so many things going on to have to take into consideration. Yeah. Um, and not as simple as just worrying about us and the kids. Um, like again, my, my wife's dad has MS, um, her mom has uh, dementia. So like have to keep that in mind and uh, she's taking care of them because they can't have nurses all these little pieces that kind of get uh, thrown out of whack affect the entire uh, machine, right? And so there's a lot more strategy going on in terms of um, what makes sense for everyone involved, everyone who's affected. And it's not just four of us, it's, it's, it's a bunch of different people. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely, it, it alters the plan slightly whether it's just from a timing perspective or, or more logistical perspective but it definitely changes it so let's talk about a little bit about your journey because i know we we just jumped in and started record, recording a bit right. uh walk me through your journey as far as uh you know you're you spent some time in senior hall university then you went to pace uh you were a marketing executive uh and one thing that, that struck me about um about you and obviously you know all full disclosure we know each other <laughs> from <laughs> from 12 years ago so this is a uh, uh, pretty interesting to, to reconnect through through zoom but i think uh one of the things that i saw uh on linkedin that kind of attracted me to to this conversation a lot more just because obviously i know you but besides that it's just your your resume you speak a lot about the diversity in resume and, and diversity and skill sets and diversity and and just getting to understand and 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 see new concepts and new and new new skill sets is it's okay don't be afraid cool. to just uh, you know so talk to me about your journey and and the, the navigation the navigational lefts and turns and ups and downs and backwards that you've had yeah like my my life post high school like pre-high school is crazy but post high school is like a case study in pivoting Right. And so, and not, and, and like early, and not calculated. I think calculated later on in, in my career, but just because looking at the circumstance, it was like, oh, I got to make something of this. Um, but early on, it was just like between like finding yourself and opportunity means timing and kind of taking advantage of situations. Um, it, it, it definitely, there's a lot of pivots. So, like going to Seton Hall, like I went to Seton Hall because I, I was the only school I got into. Like, it was like I, I wanted to go to, to to Syracuse. I like I, I I applied to Syracuse Business School, got rejected. It was like shit. What do I do now? Um, and then got into Seton Hall and loved it. Like, um, I think living on my own, um, like in terms of living in a dorm, joining the rugby team, like hanging out with you guys. It was like one of those things where, like, coming from a high school where it was predominantly uh, white. I was like one of, let's say, 20 black people at the school. Um, you kind of, and only getting into that when I was in eighth grade. So for an entire time of my life, I had one identity and then I went somewhere else and had to pivot, right? And change my identity to fit where I was um, for better or for worse, who knows. Um, and then going into Seton Hall and being 
uh, taking both of those identities and being able to combine them, right? And so um, having friends of all different kinds, having friends who I went to school with in, high, in, in, in Hempstead who ended up being in uh, Seton Hall, which helped life a lot because there was some of the, some familiarity there. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. I think the, the ultimate thing for me was that I just missed New York. Like I, I ended up after freshman year um, living with my two best friends in their apartment and the three of us living in a studio. And so I was in New York every day and then taking the train or the bus to, to Seton Hall just got tiring. Um, and Wait, so, so all, that, I, all that, all that time seeing how you took the train from New York to Seton Hall? For my sophomore year and in, in beginning of, yeah, sophomore and beginning of, no, end of freshman year and the whole year for sophomore year, I was, I made it so that I could have all my classes on like two or three days. Um, and I just be there all day, right? And I usually had it on like Monday and Friday, so that that way I partied with you guys all weekend and didn't have to worry about going back and forth. And then I was back in New York for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, doing whatever I wanted, right? Um, and so it just got tiring. Like being yeah. at school for an hour of the day was just crazy. And then, yeah. uh, and then, so yeah, I, I transferred to Pace because m- one of my best friends, Ash, he was at Pace and he loved it and he said it was awesome. And I was always with him. Um, and he was well, two, three years older than me, but um, we ended up, uh, I ended up transferring to Pace and, and doing that and love Pace, right? Because now I'm in the city. I have classes all over downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and at 18 or 19, like it was awesome, right? Okay, <laughs> um, <and> so, <laughs> you just take advantage of the situation. And what ended up happening was I was always with them, my two best friends, and they owned Dunkin' Donuts. And um, I just like literally was in their stores or in their apartment. Um, so we ended up working with them, right? And and learning like they're interesting because they're a year apart, um, Ashman and Lucky. Uh, year apart, like always at each other's stores because they're just they're the same person, just completely opposite. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. So like, and anyone who knows them can attest to this. Like the the hilarity that is watching them two get into a fight when they're arguing the same point um, is pretty interesting, but. Um, Ash is completely analytical, like can read a book, understand it in two seconds, taught himself how to code, taught, like, can teach himself anything. And Lucky is, uh, is the epitome of a businessman, of a salesperson. He can, he can sell you water, even if it's your own water, right? Um, and so being able to watch those two and learn from them in a real life setting while also going to school and, and, and having internships was probably um, the best thing for me um, because I got to watch two people who weren't that far ahead of me and maybe didn't know more than I did, who knows, right? But got to see different perspectives. And then their networks, um, which were similarly my networks, but it just gave me exposure to, to other cultures, other religions, um, other ways of doing business. Um, and so it was one of those things where it all paid off and it, again, it wasn't calculated. It just happened that way. Um, um, and then like, just, just being home, like being in New York, you, it's the city that you can visit the entire world, um, in a day, like, right. Between going to LES versus Chinatown versus, uh, 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 little Brazil versus going over to the Jersey side and, and seeing little Pakistan, you can literally discover the world without ever having to leave the city of New York. Um, so there's that, 
that that beauty in that. And I've always like I'm I, I like books, but I don't read them all the time. I, I, I again I wasn't the biggest fan of school, um, but for me it was more the people and the relationship aspect of it, and 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 that's where I thrive, right? And and understanding how people work. Um, um, understanding the differences that that can get us to the same exact point. Um, there's there's always a similarity a similarity somewhere, and I, I think um, I've I've created my own niche of being able to exploit that similarity to, to figure out where I fit and how I can relate to someone, right? Um, and and that's where the calculation has come in, right? Um, and so through different internships and and weaseling my way into to different conversations in different rooms I probably shouldn't have been in, um, I've been able to learn a lot without having to necessarily pick up a book and prove it. I simply can be in the proof while it's happening and, and absorbing that way. Um, and so that's taken me on such a ride um, of different roles and different responsibilities and, 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 and piqued my curiosity um, to wanna learn things that have nothing to do with my job on, on the outset. But when you dive into it, it's connected, right? You just have to find where that connection is. Um, and that's like, that's what brought me to Canada. I went into banking for a bit. Um, and, and to this day, like, can't really explain that to people. They just don't understand it. Like, oh, you went from creative to banking. It's usually the other way around, but you know what I found, I found out that it wasn't for me, but I also found new skill sets and new confirmations, um, um, on things I was already doing that, that just helped me to be able to figure out where my place fit in the business structure in the business world um and even now i'm only 32 so um like i'm still figuring out what works for me and what doesn't but i and i tell my kids just try it like who knows what will happen right it you may fail miserably yeah but you'll learn something right and then that thing will help you 50 years from now when you're doing something else you'll remember um and I'm, i feel that way about everything even relationships like look at us 12 years later man 12 years later it comes full circle right it's just about patience. I don't think we're taught to have patience. It has to work right now. If it doesn't work, I want no part of it. Um, and I don't work that way. I, 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 I need one thing to work out of the whole thing. And, and, and it's validation for me. Um, and it, it moves me to my next step. Right? And that's all I'm trying to do is get to the next step. That's true, man. I think, uh, you know, when you put it into that perspective, because uh, uh, even right now I have a four-year-old and a 12-year-old and I'm always talking to my 12-year-old, well, actually both of them about the patience, right? My four-year-old is just, he lives in this in this world that he just wants everything right now. Yeah. And when I'm telling him just uh, hold on, hold on a second or hold on a minute or, in a, in, or we'll do this later. He's like, you mean like right now? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think we were lucky, right? Because and people think I'm crazy when I say this, but this is how analytical I can get in terms of behaviors. We had dial up. So we had oh, learned to be oh, that one yeah. little thing of waiting for whatever, 25 seconds to get on. Now, yes, eventually we got high speed. So we knew, but we knew both sides of it. We can, we have the ability to be patient. And people think I'm crazy when I try and draw that correlation. But I'm like, like, I think that incrementally that that little thing changed how I see things. Because now you look at kids who have high speed, they don't know what it is to wait. They have never had to wait. And then they had parents who said that they don't have to wait. They can have anything they want just because they didn't want to deal with them. And I do that to my kids. Sometimes I'm just like, you can have whatever you want. 
if you leave me alone for five minutes, right? And so <laughs> when you compound that on all these little, uh, these little situations and issues we found ourselves in over the course of our years, they shape us. They, they, true. They, you can't deny it, right? There's no way that one thing can shape us, but something else can't. And so like, to me, simply having dial up set us up to be able to, yes, use the world as our oyster because our parents didn't necessarily have internet. We do. So we had everything at our fingertips. We just had to wait for it for a bit. Right. And then just that, that little progression of, of, of translating or transforming um, a society like is exponential. Like I, I think about it all the time where, where kids, when I mean, you think about like HP, like there are so many kids out there that don't know that HP stands for Hewlett Packard. <laughs> they never actually saw a computer that had the full word on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. People don't, again, I, I go on these tangents, but like that stuff shapes how how we think, how we digest, how we uh, inform, and 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 definitely how we look at the world, right? And so, like, to your point, to, to, to your point, my daughter was uh, a couple of days ago. I was she was sitting on my on the couch right next to me, and um, I was reading something. I forgot what it was. And I see her on her phone just doing one of these, like, I'm like and I look over and she's like trying to see what game is she playing that you have to really force force the screen. <laughs> and I ask her, what's going on? She's like, oh, this this page is not loading. I'm like, what do you mean? A website? A website? A website? She's like, yeah, yeah. And I look over, I'm like, you see that little, I'm, I'm, she's like, I've tried that already. It's like, I'm like, listen, in, the, in our world, we have to like wait for dial-up. She's like, yeah, what's dial-up? <laughs> exactly. And it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. Now, with that said, I think like my kids are so much more advanced than me. Like they don't know more because they're not old enough. But if we were the same age, like oh, yeah. they'd be geniuses and I wouldn't know what the hell was going on. And it's because like they do a lot of trial and error. And so our trial and error was different in that we were playing with blocks and, and different things like that. But they have, they get to do trial and error with information, which is crazy to me, right? And so they're learning at a speed that they don't even really recognize. And for better or for worse, technology has gotten them there, right? And so it's that double-edged sword of like how much is too much. Um, and, and getting like the, my oldest likes to read paperback books which I think is very interesting, where my youngest likes to look at her app and read books from her app. And okay. so just, and they're only a year apart, right? And so looking at that, I'm like, it's always interesting, like the science behind it. And I, and I wish I paid more attention in, in psychology class to be able to like label it and figure out what it is. But like things like that interest me, right? And that's why I've gone on such these, these little tangents of experiences, just because I am just, I'm generally curious. And trying to figure, and maybe not figuring out what the answer is, but at least figuring out how it works, right? And and I think not enough of us were taught that. And I wasn't either. Like my mom ran a jail, so like she was very specific, right? Um, Your mom is a warden. Yeah, she ran a juvenile uh, detention center uh, huh. in, in Long Island. She just retired like two two years ago. Um, Holy crap, that's pretty like, awesome. Very well. Now, with that said, though, here's the interesting thing: my mom went to school for home ec. Like, right? And so, like, ah, so here we like, go. How'd you go from homemaker to like, like being able to choke cold kids, right? And, and so, it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, it's the opportunity presented itself. And, and the story is long. And she told it to me once. I don't remember all the details um, and how she kind of made that transition. But it's one of those things of like just trying things and seeing what happens. You may not like it. Like, I didn't like thinking, right? But I still tried it. 
do you think that that uh, her her uh, her journey kind of influenced how you perceive things opportunities? So that's interesting because I was having that conversation with my wife because my mom is one of three, and my mom is the youngest and thus the quietest, right? And so my my aunt, one of my aunts, is like she's just like a bull, like. She wants something done, it's gonna get done. There's no, there's like no de denying it, it's happening. My other aunt was from the social standpoint. So she um, was very active during the civil rights. She ended up going and working for um, uh, for the age initiative um, and it's been all over the world. But my mom is very, she likes things the way they're supposed to be. She'll never admit that, but like, that's just who she is, right? And so, like I, like I was, I'm the youngest by nine years, but like, I was a rebel. Like I just did whatever the hell I wanted to. I was a typical boy who like would get in trouble and then kind of deal with the consequences and go and do it again next week. Right. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't know if that was because in, in my mind, like, I was like, well, I'm never going to get sent to jail because my mom runs to jail. Right. But like, but like, it's one of those things where, I don't, I can't really say one way or another if, if her, um, her experiences molded mine, right? Because like, especially when, when she was working, I was in school. And so she went to work when I got home from school. So I never actually really saw her. Mm. Um, and so I knew that um, I didn't want to work that hard. I knew that for a fact, right? And so, and I still feel that way. I, I, I don't want to i don't plan on retiring when i'm 65 like the, the 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 thought of having to work for 35 years is crazy to me the thought of having to work in the exact same job for 35 years is crazy to me mm -hmm. um which i'm sure for our generation is the exact same way because we we kind of change jobs I, I, like we change uh pants but like <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I that's a great question and something i'm totally going to explore now but i don't know if it, how her how seeing her has shaped how I maneuver within the world right it's an interesting question now how about uh there's an article that, that you wrote uh on LinkedIn that it says protecting your fire yeah, yeah, yeah that was the 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 one of the few that has actually done really well on LinkedIn because I still have no idea how the LinkedIn algorithm works um so it's a, it's a short it's a short I think it's a short, interesting, and powerful article. So, uh, you want to elaborate a little bit on it? Well, yeah. So, I what ended up happening is a a, a guy I follow who I ended up interviewing for um, when he was HR over at Viacom. Um, he I follow him on LinkedIn, and he wrote something uh, about what he he wrote something about um, not letting other people's opinions hold you back and so we got into this dialogue and it was just a line he wrote because i wrote something on him and he thought it was philosophical and he wrote something back and i thought it was philosophical and at the end of the day he wrote you need to protect your fire and it just hit me like immediately the moment i read it i just started writing right and it, it is one of those things where i feel like we tend to, as a people, because like civilization is based on acceptance. It always has been. And it was, it's innate in us now because we learned it when we were younger, or not when we were younger, but during the caveman. You didn't want to get eaten by a dinosaur. You found a village, right? 
because yeah. the more you there were, then the sooner you felt. And that has stayed within us our entire lives. And I don't have the documentation to back it up, but you Google it, I'm sure you find it. Um, but that thought process is there. And so we live and die by how other people feel about us. We live and die by, um, by how our movements and our thoughts are processed by other people. Um, and so with that, when it comes to um, moving on or, or finding that next new role or even being great within the role you're in, we are deflated so quickly by other people's thoughts. And so the point I was trying to make and the point that Dwayne um, made to me was essentially, it's up to you to feed that fire and not just feed it, but protect it from other people, right? You can't just throw wood into a fire. If it rains, it's going to go out, right? And the other people are the rain, right? And, so, and sometimes we're the rain on ourselves. We're in our parade, but it's really important to, to do the work, be really good at the work but keep other people's opinions as a grain of salt. Yeah, we need feedback. I, I'm a big fan and a big proponent of feedback. Um, you, you need it to survive, right? You need it to, to get to where you're going, but to a point, you gotta make sure that you believe in yourself. And if someone says you're not good at something, you need to dissect why. They're just saying that because you're better. Or they're saying that because you actually aren't good. And if you actually aren't good, then what do you need to do to fix that, right? And that's, that's just the wood that you're feeding the fire with. Um, the, the, but protecting the fire is just as important. Protecting yourself and your thought process and your, your, your will is extremely important. And you have to live and die by, by you, right? And, and other people are important. They, they shape, they form, but they're not the end They're not there. If you, when you do well or when you fail, you're on your own, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> So that fire could be a metaphor for so many different things. It's just not one segmented to one particular. It's everything. It's everything. It's it's like even like like when I talk when I think about having kids, right? Like the end of the day, like when you look back on my life and you're like, should this guy really be responsible for two living beings? Like can he right? And and that gets into my head for a long time. Like my wife would tell you, I was in my head about what I was doing right or wrong, as if I was the first person in the history of having kids who had a kid who shouldn't have had a kid, right? And so it's one of those things where you have to realize what you're doing. You're like, Yeah, well, yeah, like what about my daughter broke her foot and for a week I thought she was lying like she fractured her foot I was like you're fine walk it off and then we went to the doctor and they were like yeah like her foot's broke and so like, oh my goodness you know, I was like I am the worst person in the world like the poor kid was complaining um but you can think about everything you've done right right and I think we forget we take it all at at face where well, we don't take it at face value sometimes and we but you have to sometimes say well you know what she broke her foot but I have healthcare that helped her get a cast on that foot, right? And so, like, where's the grain of salt? And that, or yeah. where's the where's the benefit of it all, right? And so, that like that's that's what I mean. I think just looking at what you're doing well, and then what you need to fix, right? It doesn't need to be broken, but what can you work on? What can you tweak? And then understanding that yeah, you need people to help because we don't all know everything, but we know someone who knows something, um, and using that to your benefit. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it's, it's you, if, if you allow people to, to deflate you, they will. Right. And if you uh, allow 
people to lift you up, they will as well. And the same thing goes through the self. If you deflate yourself, there's no one who can bring you out of it. You're on your That's own. True. <clears throat> That's true. So a lot of people are really comfortable where they are right now, or they have been in, in the past, which kind of leads to what you said before, as far as, you know, you mentally can't see yourself being in, in a uh, career and a job for 35 years. Uh, and I guess I could say the same thing for myself because, you know, I could have easily retired from the military uh, three years ago. I think it was two or three years ago with a full pension, right? 20 years afterwards. But something in me and while I was in the military uh, that uh, just kind of said, hey, let me just explore outside of the military. And if I want to come back, which I didn't, by the way, I can still come back. <laughs> uh, but, you know, after six years of being in the military, I kind of saw the same thing, too. And, you know, my father, he retired from from his job and he was in, the, in, the, in, in a role for a very long time. But that was his generation, their generation, man. They were gung ho of sticking it out for, you know, a couple of decades. It was all safety. Yeah, yeah, it's all that, that safety, right? So there's another another article that you wrote about being uncomfortable, discomfort, right? So you, you find that as being a tool that you could keep in your back pocket as far as discomfort is a po- as a positive. Yeah, so I a, a friend and a boss of mine in a, when I was at the bank, Alfonso, he told me the value of the first person who speaks loses. Ooh. And and so and it's very salesy, right? But like, yeah. it's one of those things where we've been taught that silence is such a bad thing that we try and I think it's it powerful, possible, right? But I like the the fact of asking someone, especially when I was in my coaching roles, asking someone something and just staring at them, like the beauty of watching them get uncomfortable and have to figure out the answer and waiting for you to say something to elaborate to give them a bit more. Like, no, 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 you, I, I said what I wanted to say. I'm waiting for the response, right? And I think that that's true in, in, in the world. We, we're so, we're taught to be afraid of discomfort. We're taught to, to, to not embrace it, to, to disengage at any point when we get uncomfortable. I think that's where most people thrive, especially when you look at like startups um, and, and any business, really, you're solving a problem because you were uncomfortable. Right, either something wasn't working or it was taking too long, like, and that's where innovation comes in. That's where the solution comes. I think embracing that 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 discomfort, whether whether it's in a role or within your marriage, and exploring. I think it was Kobe who said it, like exploring why it really scares you so much, right? Mm-hmm. And and, it, and I believe in root cause, um, and breaking down things to the why all the way until you can't explain it anymore. And if you root cause discomfort, you realize very quickly that it's something so simple that happened when, whenever you were small that it just stuck with you and you, it, whatever the, the, the issue was affected you so hard um, that any kind of discomfort now reminds you of that moment, right? And so you're trying to stay away from it. But if you, if you engage with it and, and really dissect it, it's not that bad, right? Um, like giving speeches people are deathly afraid of giving speeches until you get the first word out and then you're just talking right and and i i like i love that stuff right and 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 people um like finding finding the ability to engage that in discomfort well or uncomfort error maybe will will make you stronger you may still suck at something and that's fine. Like who cares? Right. Just find the thing <laughs> you don't suck at and, and go on with your life. But yeah. like, uh, if you don't try, you'll never know. Right. And like, like I play ukulele now with my kids 
Like, my fingers are so mangled from different sports. Like, I never thought I would be able to play this small little ukulele. But we have so much fun once a week. Um, and for them, it, them watching me do it, it makes them know, like, hey, if daddy can mess up, then we can mess up too. Who cares? And that's where, like, any role I've ever been in, especially where I coach people, I tell them, like, dude, you, like, you need to screw up. Stop doing everything perfectly. You need to figure out what you don't know and go for it. Um, and you'll learn so much more. If you do things perfectly every single time and the, it works out for you, you will never know that there's a whole world out there that like will eat you up. But oh, if you yeah. fail at something and you feel that anxiety around feeling at it and then at least take the next step to figure out why or what went wrong, every job you ever do, you'll have a good time. Like, especially in like, mar I come from marketing. It's all hypothetical. We throw an idea at the wall and hope for the best, right? And, and yes, now there's data involved and things like that. But at the end of the day, like the data from one thing does not influence something else that has never happened before. You mm. could still, you could run the exact same campaign with the exact same control set, the exact same product, and it go horribly wrong. Mm. Um, and that's where you get to dissect what went wrong. And even better, what went right, right? And what what can I take that maybe just wasn't meant for this thing and apply to here? Somewhere else, I, yeah. Right? I, I always say, if I had a billion dollars, I would just take my days just looking at companies who had really cool things that they didn't know they had. Like, yeah, maybe the product's amazing, but never mind that. I want to look at the process. And can I take that process and reapply it somewhere else, right? And those, that's like where the fun is, right? Take, uh, controlling the pieces of the puzzle and being able to put it together different ways every single time. That's the stuff I actually live for, right? And that's where me talking to people comes into play because you get to learn so much and figure out what you don't know. Like I have no idea what I don't know until it comes up. Um, so, I, so if you were to have the ability right now to select a company, a process, a product, a service, that that one company or, or or business doesn't even know but you see some potential in it and see what what would that be have you ever you, you thought about it right now i this is the first time that i hear you say this but yeah. i'm assuming i'm assuming that at some point you probably had that thought in your mind and you probably say hey maybe maybe if 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 they if i could get this in my head and just see it out in a different light what would that be I mean, obviously, obviously, the answer your answer doesn't have to be perfect, and we this is no, no, no. And, and like I thought of something just now, just because I was having this conversation with someone else about something completely different. But like, I look at recycling, okay, and how and how archaic it actually is, and and I say that with absolutely no uh, experience or knowledge of it, but it just seems archaic because at a certain point, you think about like a banana peel. If a banana peel has um, a piece of plastic sticker on it, it okay. can't be composted. It has to go into garbage. So you think about like how many people don't clean out their jars and how many people like just leave shit and things. You know how much recycling is still ending up in the ocean, even though wow. like, we have to separate it and we have to do like, right? And then I look at like a company like, like Adobe, which at the end of the day, and I was having this conversation with, through like a, 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 doc, a pay it for document. I was talking to the head of learning for Adobe and, and he made it make sense because Adobe is a logistics company. It's not a software company. They happen to sell software, but it's a logistics company. So if yeah. you took the logistics from Adobe and took the, the problem of recycling, could you combine those things? Is there something that works within that? If you took UPS or FedEx and any of those logistics companies that just happen to mail things, right, and applied those same operations to recycling, could you figure it out? 
Would it be expensive? Probably. But could you figure it out? And I, and I, I think you absolutely could. Like you look at, like I look at Amazon and they started buying Whole Foods. Everyone's like, what the hell is Amazon going to do with Whole Foods? And I was like, well, they're going to create like huge freezers. That's what they're going to do. They're going to have huge freezers for the delivery service. And that was me coming from New York where you had Fresh Direct and different deliveries for, and here in Canada, it's very specific to the, to the, uh, to the grocery store who has it. Right. And so they don't, there's no like delivery in that, in that regard, blah, blahs, which would be like a path mark. They deliver, um, Walmart has pickup, things like that. That was like, essentially they're just creating huge freezers to store their food so that when someone in that area needs something delivered, it's there in an hour or Hmm. less. That's logistics. That's not, yeah, they deliver and they have a product, but they're actually making money on logistics, right? And so I don't think, I don't think too many of us look behind the curtain. We look at the face value of something. Like you look at Facebook and you're like, oh, it's all about communication. No, it's all about data, right? You look at, like, even, right? You look at like a Wayfair and, and it's all about operations. That's all. They just happen to do something that makes them tangible money. But the back end funds are in their operations and how they work. And I always think if you take the operations for something that does really well, that you don't even, it does so well, that you don't even think of it as an operations company and apply it to a real life problem, like recycling and, and keeping the earth going. Like, again, it'll be extremely expensive and no one wants to pay the money for it, but would it work? I think right. 3M. I think 3M does something like that, where when you look at the uh, you know the company 3M, uh, you know a lot of people. There's a lot of products that have come from 3M that people would never even consider yeah, is from 3M. But you know 3M, all the product, a lot of the products from 3M come from failure. Because yeah. they were they just they just happened to fuck something up. They're like, what is it? Glue on paper and calling it a post-it. Like, yeah, that was exactly. A- that was exactly that was a multi-billion dollar mistake right that's that's a classic case study right that's a a classic business business uh case study but that's the point i think that's kind of way the angle you're 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 coming yeah i just think there's things that we can use or that we already use that we just have to like everyone's so concerned with innovation and they use it incorrectly in the first place but everyone's co-concerned with innovating and and not necessarily fine-tuning I think that if we fine tune and redistributed, you'd find that a lot of the things that we're spending trillions and billions of dollars to fix, we already have the capability to do it. We just haven't used our imaginations to transfer that skill set. We just continue using whatever it's supposed to be made for. But like, who's to say that a company that's been around for a long time, instead of just buying a, a startup who is working on something that you want to do who's to say you don't have that already happening you're just not really reimagining the products you have um and and, and again going back to transferring of skill sets that's that's where i live that's my favorite place to be right and and seeing what i can learn from banking that'll help me in mark and vice versa like going from marketing into a branch of banking you got to all the hypothetical marketing that i did in terms of looking at demographics and having to speak to a million people within 30 seconds, I got to take that and apply it to a local branch and actually get feedback in real time, right? And it's scary at first, but then you realize it's, it's much more, it's easier to do the job. Mm. And so, yeah, I had a leg up from a marketing standpoint and I had a leg down and absolutely having no idea how banking works. But once I found the pieces I understood, 
you have a structure that you can work from and expand. And now I can start to, to correlate things together as opposed to just trying to learn from scratch. Like a, a mortgage, I will never understand how to do a mortgage, but in terms of process and paperwork and, and customer conversation, understanding what the customer needs, um, what, what information I need from them to get them what they need, that's all problem solving, right? That's not rocket science. Um, but you have to be willing to take the time to find that one thing that you can lynch your entire or hint your entire plan on um, and then actually do the work to expand it from there. Um, and in that case, you, you don't have to do the same job for the rest of your life. You can pivot as many times as you want. You just have to find where the pieces fit together, right? Um, That's true. And we're, I think our generation is more open to that. I, again, I don't think it's as calculated as I am. Um, in some cases, most definitely. But I think for the most part, we kind of chase the opportunity. But I'm I'm completing a puzzle, right? And so that um, 10 years from now, when I'm doing what I actually want to do, I have all the pieces in play and I understand how to budget, I understand how to market and how to take care of people um, and complete the service. That's that's kind of where I've, as I said in the beginning, it wasn't calculated up front, but in the last five years or so, it's become extremely calculated in how I kind of move and what I'm looking for. So I see that uh, Abney strategy, right? You're obviously, uh, your background is in marketing. A lot of the uh, your thought process is in marketing. Um, first of all, what got you into marketing and how, and then with, with Abney strategy right now, the business that you co-founded, um, how have how has obviously the evolution of your skill sets and the marketing uh, that you, uh, the marketing education that you, that you acquired, how has that helped you be successful right now through Avenue Strategy? Yeah, I think, so I got my start in marketing. I got lucky and got an internship with BET um, doing mobile marketing. BET. Are they still running? Where, yeah, they're, absolutely, man. They're doing great. Um, I think they have a lot of opportunities they can capitalize on, and we'll see like, a guy who I consider my mentor, and, and my mentor from afar, Scott Mills, is running it now. Um, and so, and he's a smart dude with, with a lot of experience in, in, in television and just people in general. So it'll be interesting where they go, but that's where I got kind of my marketing and it was all ringtones and, and video games for the phone. And I got to morph my experience as mobile and digital started to morph. So as iPhones and, and Blackberries took off. Um, more from a, pre, a recreational standpoint and necessarily a business standpoint, um, I got to kind of grow with it, right? And so seeing all those pieces, social media being added to, and then the traditional marketing of, of television billboards and, and newspapers and mailers. Um, I, again, a puzzle, right? I like to see how all those pieces can work together and tell a massive story as opposed to telling the same story over and over again. Um, and so that's where my marketing comes from is, is, is understanding how to build a brand by talking to people the way they expect to be talked to through the medium that they're on. I think we get into, and I wrote an article the other day about um, seeing an ad on television and thought it was an amazing ad, but then seeing the exact same ad on social, on, on, as, as media, right. And it, that's not how we digest like you and I, or even simplified even better. Me looking at my computer is a certain way. I look at my TV a certain way. I look at my phone a certain way. I read a certain way. I can't see the ad 
over and over again on all those mediums in the exact same way. I don't digest it the same way. Um, but I like to look at things. If I tell marketing as a, as a chapter book and TV is one chapter of it, mobile is another chapter, and they're just telling you the progression of that brand, of that story, you start to digest it differently and you start to actually understand where they're coming from. Um, the hard part about that is trying to tell the beginning, middle, and end in a different way every single time. But if you can figure out that that equation and do it, I think that's where a lot of companies have done really well. Um, and, and not just living in the imagination world, but actually being able to be tactical in, in how they present a brand, build a brand over time, and then where they make that connection to engagement with the audience, right? Um, it, it, it is extremely easy to do. It's also extremely hard. Um, you have to be authentic and at the same time talk to a million different people at, at once it's hard right you have to do it in a hundred and or not even 30 seconds so like in 60 something words you have to be able to sell an experience to someone who is either black with three kids black with no kids black divorced white with the same laundry list right it becomes very complicated um but i i i like to look at it from a simplistic standpoint so what ended up happening is uh, me and my wife launched Avenue Strategy and, and as our uh, as my source of income and as both of our passion project because she's in PR and marketing and she's very creative and I tell everyone she's much more successful than I am and much more smarter. Um, but um, it's a way at a local level here in Ottawa to kind of help small businesses and on a bigger level help startups um, who are trying to identify um, their brand identity, or may even have one, and trying to figure out ways to to grow that identity and and, and grow their their footprint within whatever particular industry. Um, I I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I'm just fascinated by it, all right. And so, and I think I've been lucky enough to touch so many different other industries, either in marketing or otherwise, um, that. I have a little bit to offer to everyone. So being in the QSR world and seeing how that works, um, being working for uh, agencies as a full service business development and creative strategist, um, working at Viacom and being able to work on massive budgets that include TV, digital, live events across like car industries and insurance and beverages. I've kind of had a, uh, or I've definitely had a, a, a front row seat in a bunch of different areas. So I just try and use that all um, to help other companies, right? And so it's one of those things um, of combining all the pieces to get you to a sum. Um, I, I think I I have the ability to do that. And it's just fun. I, like, I genuinely like marketing. I like behaviors. I like um, influencing people to do something. I think it borders on on evil genius sometimes but uh, <laughs> i try and and keep the white the white net on my shoulder and make sure that i'm not going over to the dark side but i i, I think it, it's just fun to especially when you're giving someone something that they need right and and it needs a, a very loose turn but um or want right but solving a problem for someone is 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 fun for me and the excitement on their face when that problem is solved is is the the justification that i'm on the right track um so yeah, that's what Avenue Strategy is. It's 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 more of a, a branding and growth side of marketing, not necessarily the product side. Um, but um, between me and my wife, we can kind of 
handle everything from a strategy point of view and even an activation point of view. And, and then I, going back to my relationships, I use all the different partners I've made here in Ottawa and, and abroad to fit some, a company with the, the, the solution. It may not be mine, right? I'm going to be able to solve the problem, but I totally know who can, and, and I'll make sure that I facilitate that connection. Right. And so, um, there is some altruistic uh, 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 points of views in there, but I, I I like just connecting dots, right? And if I can do that, I'm a kid in the candy store. Nice. <laughs> now, um, I have seen a couple commercials uh, here in, in the U.S. side where they, like what you mentioned before a couple a couple of seconds ago, where you see one content piece of content being distributed in multiple in the same same content distributed in so diff- so many different ways. But now in the age of COVID-19 with six, you know, with uh, social distancing, the masks and all these other things, I think uh, I've, I saw one piece of uh, one, one advertising from Ikea, which was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if it's the same over there in Canada, but I'll walk you through it. It basically starts off with saying, uh, what, are, what are you going to do when basically the, the pandemic is over? Obviously, a lot of other their perspective was that a lot of businesses are are trying to sell, uh, you know, cruises or you know, uh, vacation packages. While they see it very different, they said, "Hey, I know what you're going to do. You're going to basically stay at home and visit family members, visit friends. So basically, selling their products because that's what they are, right? They they yeah. they, they sell them. And I found that so interesting because a lot of the other commercials that I keep seeing are, are the same exact ones." pre-COVID, which is like, wait a second, we can't fucking go out there and party. Like, I mean, people are still doing it. People are still doing it. But, you know, that change, they, they again, I don't know. Uh, I'm not in that world that they're in right now, but it's just like, why, why don't put in the the work to actually just edit, edit a little bit of it or all of it or just create well, new content? I think, see, the thing about marketing, and this is purely my opinion, but it's a... It's a did what they did mentality and has been for a long time. Well, that worked for them. So let's try and reapply it to us. Um, and so you have a lot of things that just kind of are the rebirths of something that happened, right? And you have that in any industry, especially life in general, it's cyclical. Um, but I think in marketing, you have, you have different industries who adopt things and that's how it's supposed to work, right? You're supposed to learn try and make something your own i think we all fell into the hole of either trying to get people to remember what life used to be like pre-covid or trying to get them to understand that we understand what you're going through now right and so you hit the same commercial the same open line covid's tough or you're surviving like yes like we know you don't have to remind us of it and i think that that look at at ikea is aspirational right like like and not necessarily getting back to normal because i think that's a, a black hole as well of everyone's the new normal and when will we get back to normal i think saying like essentially how is your life going to change because it's going to change i think it's a it's a more honest approach and i was having this conversation i forget with who um about the what the new behaviors will be like because we've been stuck inside, right? And so you have more home cooks, you have more gardeners, you have more do-it-yourself woodsmen. Like you have, like so, like 
post-COVID, how many of that, of the billions of people who were affected, how many of those behaviors are going to stick? How many are going to revert back to what they were used to and start ordering again and wanting to go out? And yes, that, that's going to happen. You're going to have sides of everything. But you're going to have a whole population of people who got used to being home, who got used to being introverts, who got used to seeing their family more, who got used to working from home, right? Now, how are we going to cater to them? Because that's a whole new world, right? And now, yes, over time, however long that may be, things may go back to whatever their normal life was pre-COVID. But I would venture to say on the on, like, I'd bet against that for a bit because I think that people are going to get used to doing things on their own. Yeah. Um, and so to Ikea's point, like, instead of spending $20,000 on a trip, like spend the money and, and put it into your house and make your house your oasis. People were doing that before. They should continue to do it um now and I, and I think you'll have more it's an interesting I, I, I and that's why i look at everything from behavior perspective right habits are one thing behaviors are completely different and i think if you can manipulate someone's behavior you can go a long way right and it's just a very uh it's a very interesting commercial in terms of preparing people for doing it themselves yeah you know as you're as you're talking right now i'm the way that you phrased it kind of made me relate to my personal experience with uh, in 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 running. Um, so I'm an ultra right now. I'm an ultra marathon runner, uh, and yeah. I've done I've done a lot of marathons. Where if you see marathons, you're surrounded by hundreds of people, thousands of people. The moment I actually started doing ultra marathons, that behavior, like you mentioned, I was by my yes, I was with uh, maybe a dozen people, 24 people at the start line, maybe hundreds of people at the start line, but there comes sporadic moments where you're by yourself for an extended period of time in the woods. So now when I have the opportunity to join a marathon, it's just kind of like, I'd rather just be my my, my damn self, you know, because I know that, you know, I could control the, I could control the situation a lot more than, than, than being in a marathon. So I, I can relate to what you said. So like I get into running, but like, I'm not in running. (laughs) <laughs> like I, right? and so like i every so often like i i went on this gung-ho for like the last month minus like this week and last week where i was running a 5k every day um just because i can't go to the gym and i like going to the gym and after a while i was like shit, i just can't run anymore like i'm just not enjoying it. <laughs> i don't know like so like for me to even fathom running even a half marathon like the the mind the mind exercises I would have to do before I even started running is just crazy. So anyone who can do a marathon or even like the triathlons, the ultra marathons, like more hot tea, man. You know, no, you know, something that happened to me, uh, you know, the reasons that why I got into ultra marathons was because of my daughter. She, this is, this goes back to when she was first born. Um, and before that, yeah, I ran a little bit. I obviously clearly ran in the, in the military I uh, clearly ran when I was in, in college because of the uh, because of rugby and whatnot. But um, the stuff the stuff that she went through kind of get got me into long distance run- running. Basically, she was born with a with a health condition, um, and it and it got me going through uh, very tough times. Uh, you know, picking up alcohol uh, and uh, seeing myself going down the wrong path. So I decided to back off of it, back off of that substance and just looking for that type of high in a different location, yeah. which was running, right? Fast forward to now, um, you know, I went through the, an MBA program. I was uh, in corporate America and I saw myself just deviated. I just was not even running at all because I was so focused in climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. 
that at some point I said, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is never going to happen. Then, then I started my own business. Uh, and through that process of starting my own, I never had time to really work out. Uh, so now that this happened, you know, this pandemic happened around the world, it just pretty much froze everybody. It froze me to, yeah. to the point where it's just like, all right, now what am I? So I, I just went back to what I kind of knew what to do in, in these type of situations, which is health, right? Um, and I never, and I never really looked at at a self self, uh, you know, the health perspective uh, as I do now. Where before I just did it just because I, I knew it felt good. I knew it was it was good for me for my body. But now it's just I see how the the benefits of it are a lot better. Uh, maybe it came with age, I guess. But you know, we've all heard it before, right? Some thirty yeah. minutes of exercise a day it goes a long way. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the past since we, we went into quarantine. I just set up uh, this ambitious goal of, of running a thousand miles by the end of 2020. Um, <laughs> I just I just literally just put that shit out there. I was like, let me just do it. So I've, I've been holding myself accountable by actually putting it on social media because it's so yeah, easy. Yeah. Just, it's, it's a deviate from it, dude. Like, I, it's so perfect. easy. It's so easy just to say, I'm not going to go running today. Like, so even I say, going to the gym because I, I go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning, right? And so I see the same seven people and like, it's easy for them to call me out and say like, dude, you haven't been here. We can see it. Whereas now I can't go. So like, there's no one I'm afraid. Like my wife, I look, I'm with her every day. So I look exactly the same no matter what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like shallow how. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like one of those things where like, I don't like, I, I, I'm a, like, my daughter has asthma. So like we have to, and my wife has it too. So we have to, and then her parents have, MS and, and dementia, so all uh, immunodeficiencies. So we have to be very, very strategic in, in yeah. what we do, right? And so, um, like me and my brother-in-law, because he's a gym nut too, right? And so you're like, well, we just gotta build a build a gym in the garage, like like a full out gym, and because that's the only way I'll make sure that I'm doing something. Because me to wake up, like now I sleep until like seven. Actually, my eyes open at five forty-five, and I stay in bed for an hour. Right? My eyes open. <laughs> my eyes. Because like, again, for four years, I've been going to the gym at four thirty in the morning every day, and so now my body's like, "Dude, you know you have some place to be. You just you got nowhere to go, right?" And so I try to do the running thing, but now I just go for walks because I can't. I don't have. I, I don't know whether it's patience or if, if like this is part of my mind always wandering. I just can't sit there and run for a, a long period of time, whether I'm on a treadmill or running through nature, I get bored very quickly. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, try some fartleks. Have you heard of fartleks before? No, I don't know. Explain. So fartleks, so fartleks are, is a fartlek. The word fartleks is a Swedish word. Um, and it's, it basically has uh, migrate into the running world where a fartlek is essentially you choose a, desi- a, a distance. Let's say you you say you've done five k's. Let's say you want to increase it by two k's. Right now you're doing seven k. The whole point of a fartlek is to not stop whatsoever. However, you could go as slow or as fast as you want to. So what you're doing is essentially let's say you start off wherever you live in and you and you you start to jog a little bit and you see a stop sign, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go run to that stop sign as fast as I can, just to get your heart rate up. Yeah, and yeah. So as soon as you get to that, you don't stop. You just continue as slow as you can until the, then you say, oh, the, that black car on the next block, I'm gonna jog as smoothly as I can 
and then you basically identify objects uh, in, yeah, your, so in your surroundings. Kind of like little uh, little circuits within the total run. Exactly. And not because, necessarily in order, but you could be sprinting, you could be jogging. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I could like, be, a, you know, we could have a, a coaching conversation where I would say, hey, Rob, I want you to basically do 300 meters at, uh, I don't know, uh, I want you to do three sets of 100 meters in 20 seconds. Yeah. Now I'm forcing you to get on a go, but if I tell you, hey, dude, just go out there and, and run there, three, you know. 300 meters, and if it takes you fucking a minute per 100 meter, just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just yeah. a fun and that, and that makes sense because even when I was training, like to get back into the 5K world, like I started with the uh, run for 30 seconds, off for two minutes, then run for an hour or for a minute, um, off for a minute, run for a minute and a half, off for a half a minute. And, and then keeping that half a minute as the rest, but kind of working up until I could run three or four minutes at a time. And then it, it took off from there. It's kind of the same thing, only a bit a bit less structured, which I like it. Let me just uh, ask one final question because I know you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're a busy man. Uh, so this, the article that kind of got me interested to, uh, to, to chat with you was uh, one that you started off with, with describing yourself. You're, you're six feet, you're six, 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 four. Uh, you mentioned in the article that you you weigh 260 pounds, uh, and when people look at you, they it's just when I'm reading it, I'm kind of like, all right, I I know who you are. People kind of see me, and it's just kind of like, all right. So I'm kind of putting myself in, into that same yeah. article, five ten. You know, I'm I'm 200 pounds. It's just like, but, but people, you know, they don't they don't they don't see behind that, right? I have a, a four year old and a 12 year old, and you mentioned in that article that you're always you're you're forced to understand. How, how to find your place in, in, in the world yeah. and how it should be, right? So Yeah, like, I wrote that, obviously, everything had just happened with George, with, uh, George Floyd, and, and it was one of those things, because what kept coming up when I was talking to people of different races and that I've known for a long time or a short period of time was the, 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 the line, I'll never understand. And I, I find that, to be a cop out because a cop out to have a conversation or a cop out just to yeah a cop out to 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 kind of say the, the 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 thought process behind I'll never understand means you don't want to right okay okay you and and like not to blanket it but that's essentially what it means because you can't understand something without going to I'll never understand what it what it's like to be a woman a woman like during mens the menstrual cycle but I've been with my wife for a really long time and I know and sisters and mother, like I've had a lot of women in my life, I can deduce like how much it can suck, the different levels that it can go, right? And so, and that's just the first example because I just I've been around women my entire life. No, dude, I, th I think it's a, <laughs> I think I think it's a I think it's a valid point because uh, you know you have two children, I have two children. Yeah. Um, I ha I have two children with two different women, and they both went through a C session, and yeah, dude you know all power to them because i would never really truly uh although yeah. i could say i could never truly understand, but i could comprehend my wife my wife used to always go you could never have breath and i went absolutely like you are absolutely <laughs> right like i'm not gonna that. like i stubbed my toe it hurts a lot but it's yeah. one of those things where like i was i was not necessarily getting frustrated but i needed people to or at least wanted people to understand the thought process that i have to go through Right. And so like from being told at an early age how to deal with police to having two girls who are 
Portuguese and black and one's extremely light and one's much darker and and having to really have to explain to them the two different lives that they're going to lead, right? Like my oldest who's light and hugs people and loves people and my youngest who is uh, like me and brute and not like she's a 10 foot pole, right? And so it's one of those things where people need to try to understand. No, you're not going to get it. You're not going to have to live with it forever, but you need to understand what it, what it's like for, for an African-American who, whether they're educated or not, doesn't matter. They may be a good person or not. Again, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one way or another once they step outside of their home because uh, they were taught, we were all taught different sides of it, but we were all taught that black people can be dangerous and not just, um, not just by our parents, but just by civilization. It goes back to the, the, the caveman theory, right? And needing someone to be next to you to feel safe. We learned for a long time that black people are strong, stronger than white people. They're taller. They can do much more. They could hurt you much more. You go into a dictionary. The terms for dark and the terms for light have different positive and negative terms associated to them, right? And respectively. And so um, for me to be 6'4", and yes, once you get to know me, I would hope that people love me and they know that I'm, I just like solving problems and helping people. But walking down the street, you don't know that. You don't know me from a hole in the wall. And especially now, pre or post-COVID, like even before I didn't really... I wore sweats and a t-shirt and now I still do. So like, like you, you'd never know that I was well-spoken if you don't speak to me. You never know that um, I, in my opinion, was successful if you never sat next to me for, for more than five minutes, right? And so um, even, even the, the imagery of walking with my two little girls and skipping and literally singing songs, like we do it all the time, um, the fear that that still gives people and being the marketer, even just the, the people watcher, I see it. I, I've always noticed that I can't help it. And so you, you see in, in my mind, I'm like, well, if me holding my kids and skipping scares you, then what's it like when I'm by myself and I'm on my headphones or I'm yelling into the phone because someone pissed me off, right? That must be scaring the shit out of you, right? Yeah. And so like, it's one of the, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting case study in just, people needing to understand to a certain level what black people have to go through. Likewise, people understanding what it must be like for a trans or or a gay or 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 a lesbian woman. Like, right? It's it's one of those things where we try and shy away from it. Right. And like even like the other day or yesterday with uh Deshaun Jackson and the uh, quoting Hitler, right? And in my mind I'm like in what world did you think that that was going to get across whatever point you were trying to make, no matter how pure that point may have been, you don't quote Hitler. Like it just, it's not something you do, but like for, to, to understand what it's like to be Jewish, like, right. And the stereotypes against that. If, if I don't like being called a criminal all the time, do you like, do you think all Jews like being called money hungry? No. Right. And so and, and, and yes, there's success in, in both. There's also failures in both cultures and in all cultures, right? Um, but we need to try and understand where it all comes from. We need to try and understand what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. And that's the only way you can get empathy. That's the yeah. only way you can get apathy is if you try and understand 
And I don't think we've all been taught to try and understand. We've been taught to live in our bubbles, take care of ourselves, right? And I just don't come from that world. I, I, I've had too much experience with too many other different cultures and become so such great friends with so many great people um, uh, on, on any, kind, any side of the line. Um, it's been like one of my great mentors is a gay black man. Like, and to this day, 13 years later, I still reach out when I have a question because he's the smartest, most caring man I know, right? And so like the, the fact that we're, we're all giving up so much, so many abilities or opportunities to learn something and learn more because of who we decide we don't want to be next to or, or, or are associated with is kind of crazy to me. And, and just the, the simplistic view of, of just trying to understand um, someone past their background, past their color, and just as a person, I, I think it's, it's a pretty easy thing to do. Um, and you realize very quickly that I don't really have to be afraid of, of certain people. I don't really have to be afraid of all things until, until the danger presents itself. And then, yeah, maybe it's too late, but like, like I'll take that chance, right? Because um, I do it anyway. And, and so understanding that we all have two eyes and nose and mouth. Like my daughter said it the best. She said, but we're all the same inside. And I just didn't know how to like, I didn't know how to how to explain to her that she was wrong because she was absolutely right. And I was like, well, you know what? Like, like I can't, that's the end of the conversation. I can't really, right? How am I supposed to teach you black and white and, 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 and teach you how to be, how, to, how you should carry yourself around someone when you hit me with that fact? Like we, yeah. we're all the same color inside. And I was like, you know what? If everyone lived their life that way. It would be, be much simpler. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I see that your shirt is a uh, is a Brazil, right? The Brazil. Uh... No, this is actually, ironically, this is a. I took this from my father-in-law. It's a it's a hemp shirt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it looks from this angle. It looks like the uh, the Brazilian flag. No, but the I guess the reason why I was why I was mentioning this is because one thing that I miss a lot is traveling, man. I think when you travel, you get to see all these. You know, you get to break all these different uh, whatever they are stereotypes or ways that you can perceive people. If obviously I'm not I'm not a white American, but if I was a white American traveling elsewhere outside of America, shit would be different. I, yeah, clearly, absolutely. because it's just it it just is. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I used to live in Russia. I used to live in Bosnia, and obviously, clearly, I'm not Russian. Clearly, I'm not Bosnian. But you know, I, a smile goes a long way. I I like to say that a lot because I think uh, that's I connect with people like that with with smiling. And the reason why I mentioned is that is that a shirt about Brazil is because I remember I remember going to Brazil and you said your 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 wife is Brazilian is is Portuguese yeah Portuguese okay have you been to Brazil before I assume right I haven't yet we went to Portugal uh, last year the year before but um, I haven't been to Brazil I can't wait to go okay there's a uh, there's a, uh, a a small hole in the wall which is called beep beep hopefully it's still open when you go there. <laughs> Uh, so BIP, BIP, if you look, uh, it's probably, it's not, it's not, they don't have a website. It's literally yeah. a hole in the wall. Let me walk you through this. So my wife and I went, uh, well, at the time it was just my girlfriend. Um, my wife and I went, we went down there to the, uh, to the world cup and by sheer luck, we stayed at a, we rented a, a, a um, uh, Airbnb and we were looking for places to go. I picked up a magazine. I think it was timeout. 
timeout uh, reel, and uh, it said beep beep, and I was like, what the heck is this all about? <laughs> so we went. I went there. I like to explore, right? Uh, it was middle of the night. She's like, you sure we're safe? I'm like, man, come on, let's just go. We're we're fine. We're both Latinos. Yeah. We 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 look <laughs> Brazilian. We figure <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> Rob, and I tell you, uh, the music and the, and the samba that we're playing was all live music and literally is the size, is sm way smaller than, than what I'm looking at right there behind you. And it's, yeah. it's basically, it was a, a rectangle, maybe could have been uh, the size of the width of my arms as far as the width and the length could have been probably uh, 40 feet. But the point was that the owner was sitting outside, sitting down in a plastic chair with a plastic uh, table, there was no waiters at all. So basically, the, I was trying to navigate how can I get a beer? Yeah. In the middle of just people dancing on the street because they, there is nowhere to go inside. The only people allowed to sit inside are the musicians. Yeah. So then I figured out by asking people you know, that spoke Portuguese, uh, some people, a lot, nobody spoke English, uh, you know, because I speak Spanish, we were able to communicate. They said, <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to go there and ask that gentleman. Or tell that guy that you're gonna go get a beer. So basically, this guy he knew who you were. He communicated with you, and he, I got, got to realize after five days of me going there repeti repetitively, that he knew who you were, and he documented every single can of beer or every shot of whiskey you drank, and he will fucking charge you. He's like, and this they had a hundred hundreds of people. It's like how in yeah. the world was, was this guy? Uh, but it, basically, the point I'm trying to make is that in this one little small microcosm of, of Rio de Janeiro was a melting pot of the whole world. Yeah. Right? And unfortunately, uh, you know, I wish that, you know, a lot of Americans here would be able to see the beauty of just the diversity of people that is just, to your daughter's point, we're all the same inside, but at the same time, people just perceive it very, very differently in so many different ways. Hard, right? I think the, the worst part about being smart is we were taught things, right? And <laughs> So, right, and, and, I, and I say that because we're smarter than certain animals, with, depending on who you talk to, we're smarter than certain insects, but like we have the ability to communicate and that is, that's not always a good thing because then you have ideas and then you have to facilitate those ideas and navigate those ideas. And one of them is race, like it's a human race. It's not like white, black, just because I'm a, I don't tan as much, right? Or in my case, I tan more than certain, doesn't mean I'm a different person. Um, I still have to use the bathroom. I like, I get cut, I bleed, like all these yeah. things were so similar and we see them for differences. I think like to your, to your point about going places, we, I wrote a post on Instagram once about taking my kids to Italy. And I, just because I'm not, I only enjoyed school as far as having people there to enjoy it with. I didn't necessarily <laughs> like five of reading a book and digging it that like I I ended up going into marketing as a as a major because there were no math tests. Like I simply had to write a bunch of things and I can write and bullshit any day of the week, right? And so just here. <laughs> but like the the ability to go somewhere else, and even if you speak a different language, being able to communicate, like going to Italy and kids play with other kids, meet other people. Um, any hotel or, or, or uh, bed and breakfast we stayed at, they made friends with the people who were there, and we did too. And again, like, and it wasn't necessarily Italian in us. It was like people from Russia and people from China and people from Tokyo. Like it was, and but we all spoke 
relaxation, right? We all spoke wine, we all spoke pasta, and so you quickly can can navigate those conversations. I think that those are the biggest learning blocks is being able to communicate with people and talk to people and learn from people. You won't get that in education. Like the school teaches you how to be structured. It doesn't actually teach you anything. Um, like the things that you need, like if it taught me how to do taxes, I'd be amazed. But like <laughs> it teaches you structure and certain people can survive within that, some people can't. Yeah. And it's an interesting, like when you took, when you look, they did a test, I forget who um, did a test and they followed a high school um, from graduation through the end of college. And so what they realized was that the, the flat, the, the, the slackies who barely graduated when they got to college, they did well because they got to use their imagination. All of the valedictorians and the smartest kids of the class, yes, they may have done well, but they didn't have as high a trajectory as the kids who did crappy because they were so used to structure. When you get to college, it's all up to you. You kind of build your own adventure, right? And they didn't, they couldn't live in that world. They had to have some type of structure. And, and yeah. it's a very, it's a very hit or miss place. But when you talk about the education of people and, and, and learning things. I learned more in these last month or two of talking to people via Zoom conversations um, than I have any day of a marketing course, right? And, and, and getting some real life uh, uh, explanations on things as opposed to the, the, the theoretical explanation of it, it's, it's, it's so much more value there, right? And so, I always say, if you can travel, if you can take your kids somewhere, my wife sent me a, a blog once, it was called Take the Trip. And it said, well, we can't afford it, but we're going to do it, right? Because the value in that is exponential. And then obviously live within your means, but like I would be, I have friends who've never left a certain area of their block. They may have gone into New York City, but that's about as far as they've gone. They haven't seen the world as it is or, or even a different state as it is um which i like there's something that has to be done about that like there you need to you need to realize that there's a bigger world out there and it's of hard course. to imagine it you need to see it right and yeah. so like i always say in terms of education um going places and meeting people is the best education you could possibly get right and not just for 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 brain power but for your soul like you need to it makes you a good person, a better person, because you get to see that there are people who speak a different language, who who may even have more money than you, but they have the exact same problems, right? Of course. You're looking for the exact same answers, and you could possibly help them and vice versa. Of course. Uh, but you don't know if you don't talk to people, right? Of course. Man, uh, I could see this conversation going on and on and on. <laughs> Go forever. I can talk forever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> No, same here, Rob. We'll do a part two, Rob. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to introduce you at the, at the beginning. Yeah, we just yeah. started rolling. So you want to introduce yourself and just say a little bit of your, of yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, name is Rob Abney. Uh, living in Canada, fun times. Um, co-winner and co-founder of Abney Strategy, marketing and, and branding company. Um, and just a, a naturally curious person. So that, that's nice. kind of, that's got me to where I am is just curiosity and asking questions. All right, Rob, thank you so much. I know you're a busy man, my friend. Thank you so much for being here and uh, definitely thank a part you. two coming up. Absolutely, right? let me know, man, I'm down. <laughs> All right. So.